0: On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk a little scientific stuff tonight. Yeah, we're gonna
1: we're gonna do a little preview of our community Bible study, which is coming up next week, and uh, and we're gonna talk about some of the issues that will probably come up during the course of that study. And we want to talk especially about the uh, days of creation and the age of the earth and that sort of thing. All right, we're gonna have an exciting study, and you'll want to be a part of it. We're getting started right now.
2: 935- one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
0: And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday. July 19th, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwyn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. We'll want to hear from you in the chat room, on the phone at 877 and at questions at collegeview.com. Let us hear from you tonight on the program.
1: The big news for us this week, Jacob, is our community Bible study, which is coming up next Monday and Tuesday nights here in Columbia. We'll tell you more of the details uh, about the meeting place and times and all that. But before we get to that, we've got a special guest on the telephone with us. uh, David Aiken joins us from um, Kentucky. Uh, He's going to be our speaker during the Community Bible Study next week, and David's well qualified, and we look forward to uh, hearing the messages that he's going to bring us. He joins us on the phone. David, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study tonight.
3: Hey, how are you all doing? We're doing great. Very good. nice to be with you. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to being down
1: there. Now tell me, I, I, I keep forgetting, are you in Lexington or Frankfurt, Kentucky?
3: <laughs> well, I've been all over the place today. At the moment, I, I'm actually in Richmond, Kentucky. In Richmond, okay. I live- I
1: live in Frankfurt, and that's where I minister. Okay. So, David, uh, just a little bit of background on you. You're, you're a, uh, a trained uh, biologist. You have a Ph.D. in biology. You, you have taught many years at the university level, uh, and uh, you've done a lot of not only teaching but research into different scientific considerations, and you put all of that together uh, to talk about, Creation versus evolution. That's what the theme of our study will be on Monday and Tuesday nights. Tell us a little bit about kind of what you want to share with us in the lessons you'll be bringing.
3: Well, because of the, we've had to keep this meeting short in two days. I can't do my full thing, uh, on creation versus evolution. Is there a middle ground? But I will do one that talks specifically about the different theories of evolution, and I'll do that on uh, Tuesday night. Now, so do on you... Monday know, night,
0: oh, go ahead, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead, continue.
3: Uh, on Monday night, you know, I'll be talking about can we be assured that the Bible we have in our hands is what was delivered word for word to the apostles and prophets? So that covers the Old Testament, and it covers the New Testament. There's a lot of people that stopped trusting the scriptures because they believe that it's been changed over the years. That things have been added, things have been taken away. There's no way that that a transmission of it could possibly be without error. And that that's just not true. I mean what I'm gonna do uh is to show you a little bit about uh about it and what it means to have original autographs or manuscripts and the manuscripts are the ones that are so important, we don't have any of the original writings. We don't have Paul's signature on anything. So the uh, the issue actually comes down to how you think it came to you. And there's very common uh, thinking that it was like passed down one person to one person to one person, So there's never any way to know whether there was a mistake made. So So I have, I have way, I have a way to show that you can be assured that what you have in your hands is exactly what, what was uh, delivered to the apostles and prophets and that the Bible is not only unique, but there's just no other set of works, uh, of that many, of that many books that has ever been considered to be a single book and that's what the bible means
1: now th- this this is actually connected to the creation issue because when we say that we believe what the bible says about creation a lot of people just say well that th- well you're just gullible and foolish and ignorant if you accept the bible uh, as a as a uh, a real revelation of some supreme being. You're just a sort of a gullible fool. And uh, and so they they sort of dismiss us because we claim to be Bible believers. And 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 so they won't even take time to listen to us on the creation versus evolution issue because they've already said, well, you're you. You people are just crazy, gullible idiots because you believe the Bible. Uh, isn't that correct?
3: Well, I think they see anybody who uh, takes the Bible seriously is anti-science. Right. And I think that's where that's where we are in the world today. It's just this idea that, you know, if, if you don't believe all of science and you believe the scriptures, then you are anti-science. And that's what I'll be covering uh, the second night, because uh, if... If somebody said to me, are you a creationist or an evolutionist? I would simply answer yes. <laughs> yeah. And they have no clue what I mean by that. And the problem is that there's, there's more than one theory of evolution. There's actually three of them. So you have chemical evolution, which is life from non-life. That's never been proven. You have the idea of natural selection, which is biblical. You can show people out of Genesis that natural selection was understood, you know, even by Jacob. And uh, when he was being kind of being fleeced out of his money by Laban, or at right. least he was trying to do it. And, uh, you, you know, there, then there is the general theory of evolution, which is the idea of once life got started, you have this kind of amoeba a mm-hmm. man kind of concept. But almost everything that's in our textbooks really comes back to natural selection. Now there, there will be things that you cannot answer. I mean, this is a faith. We're, we are a faith. We, we believe by faith. I can't prove it scientifically to people, but I'm not going to give up the idea of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ just because I don't understand some things about how God did things. And uh, we wouldn't be living by faith then. But I can, I can eliminate this idea that it's a creation versus evolution concept because it isn't. There are three theories of evolution. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want to cover using uh, comparative anatomy as my example on Monday night.
1: So the, the, uh, the point of it is, and I, I, we've tried to make this observation before ourselves, when people ask us, do you believe in evolution, we got to be careful about the definition of terms there. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I, I know you're going to be covering that, but... Uh, We've been encouraging, and tell, to talk address this a little bit, David, we've been encouraging that families, especially families with young people, teenagers and so forth, that they, they need this information because I, I think our young people are really being challenged uh, in our education system and so forth. Could you address that for us just briefly?
3: Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. The idea is not to be uneducated. The idea is to keep from adding things that are not actually facts or they are facts that people take on faith as opposed to things they've actually seen. And that's why I say, it, let's just let's just take the idea of a superbug. You know, most people are, they think that there's a superbug kind of brewing in all the hospitals across the country. And eventually there will be... Uh, a bacteria or a virus that will, they, as they say it, evolve and not be able uh, to be fought medically and will be our next plague. And the reason that they say that is that they keep using antibiotics and sterilizers in those hospitals. So all the ones, the only ones that would ever survive that onslaught, by are the ones that are not bothered by it. So after a while, the ones that are not bothered, they'll become the norm, and then you'll have a superbug. That's natural selection. Yeah. And like I said, I will address specifically natural selection, and I guess you could just ask the kids to bring in some examples of the definition of uh, general evolution and the origin of life and. Uh, this concept of natural selection and we can just look at what they're reading in textbooks and, and talk about it at that time. I use, like I said, I use comparative anatomy and morphology simply because it's, it shows the difference between facts and interpretation. There's one difference, that's a huge difference that I make between evidence and interpretation of the evidence. And comparative anatomy is just a great place to do that uh, so that you can see that natural selection is real. You want to call it special evolution? What do you want to call it? I don't care. But um, it's different from general evolution, which is that amoeba a man thing. Exactly. And the, to me, the facts don't support that. Uh, but I can't prove it scientifically. So my, my discussion is, is going to be directed much more at people who have doubts about the Bible, and on the basis of that, then, they would have doubts about the stuff that they're hearing, (coughs) excuse me, stuff that they're hearing uh, as to what to believe, because if you don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then there's no reason to have religion. Yeah, If God's If God's not spoken to us, then we know nothing about what we're supposed to do. So, uh, Um, and if, if he, if he has, uh, and we need to look at the words that he spoke, uh, then there will be things that we don't understand. But natural selection is a theory of evolution that is true. And our concern is always over that general theory. That somehow you can get from an amoeba, you know, to mankind, and uh, evolve consciousness, which we cannot prove; has never been shown, and reflection, and so on, in the mind. That those are the kinds of things we need to talk about. All right, much so, harder to do on the on the radio like this than sure. it is to do. It yeah,
1: exactly. Mind. And you're going to have. PowerPoint slides and lots of illustrations and it's gonna, so yes. what, at, at the end of our two night study, uh, would this be a fair statement, David, that what you're shooting for in the two nights you'll spend with us next Monday and Tuesday night, that we can trust the Bible implicitly and we do not need to have our faith shaken by unsubstantiated claims of Scientist in regards to the general theory of evolution would that be sort of a fair is that a fair statement of the goals you have in mind for our study
3: yes but the main thing to me is to start off with the bible because that that is our source of understanding about the relationship between man and god and then we have to in my longer series I always look at the evidence first. I look at the general evolutionist interpretation of the evidence and then I show what the evidence is from the standpoint of uh God having created. And so I'll do that for uh, for the uh comparative anatomy just as an illustration.
1: Okay, correct. Some of the
3: things uh some of the things I just can't get to. It's it's such a mag it's just a huge uh It's just a huge
1: discussion. Sure, sure. There's lots of. We're we're actually challenging you pretty stringently to get you to boil it down to a two night study. I know you do a much longer study, and and you've you've actually presented this kind of material in lots of different places all across the country. And and uh, so we we're lo- looking forward to what you have to say uh, uh, and, and really believe that it's a it's a vital subject. And I think especially for our young people, because we're hearing more and more about young people who are having their faith shaken, uh, who are walking away from uh, God and the Bible because uh, of some of the attacks that uh, are being made against their faith uh, and so forth. So. We think this is really a vital study, and we're really looking forward to the information that you'll be bringing us. Uh, we've not, you and I have not met in person, but we, we've obviously talked and com, and uh, communicated leading up to this uh, session. I look forward to meeting you on Monday, and looking forward to the lessons well, you bring.
3: You just don't know how happy you're going to be. <laughs> That's right, exactly right. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, no. it's a little hard for me to keep serious all the time. All right, well, no, I'm looking. To see my wife's coming with me and uh, just pray for a safe journey.
1: All right, David. Thanks for joining us Thank for you, a David. few minutes here on the Virtual Bible Study, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Monday evening, Lord willing. Thank you. All right, thanks a Thank lot, you, David. Good night.
0: Yeah, good to have David with us tonight. Looking forward to that. Uh, that's Monday and Tuesday. Information's on our website,
1: the yeah. Virtual Bible yeah, Study. Yeah, Let's take com. a break. When we come back, we'll give all the all the information about how to get here and what uh, what you'll be uh, where you'll be trying to land when you get to Columbia, Tennessee. And we
0: need to get into uh, the questions you sent out earlier today
1: about creation and
0: some facts about it and some challenges that people are making to the biblical account of creation. We'll talk about that and we'll get started uh, and keep going on the other side of this break. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned.
2: Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See it for yourself.
1: Here's some quotes worth pondering. Not managing your time and making excuses are two bad habits. You're actually putting them both together when you claim that you, quote, don't have time. If you really want to do something, you do it. There are no excuses. A man can fall many times, but he isn't a failure until he begins to blame somebody else. It is wise to direct your anger toward problems, not people, to focus your energies on answers, not excuses. People with integrity do what they say they're going to do. Others make excuses. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I
0: told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, as we appreciate David Aiken for joining us, and we appreciate David Aiken for agreeing to come and be a part of our community Bible study. We're looking forward to it. Uh, this How many years are we doing this now?
1: This Seven? is the eighth eight, year eight, eight that years. we've done a community Bible study here in Columbia. Now, uh, if you're anywhere close, I mean, if, if, if you can get here within a... Two hour drive or, or even a little more than that. I think it'd really be worth your while, especially bring young people with you to hear these important lessons. It's Monday and Tuesday night, this coming Monday and Tuesday night, the 23rd and 24th, be here in Columbia, Tennessee, but not at our church building on these, for these community Bible studies, we go to a neutral site. And for the last several years, we've been using the memorial building in downtown Columbia. And so, uh Probably, if you plug into your GPS, just put in Memorial Building, Columbia, Tennessee. It'll probably bring you right on to West Seventh Street. But it's on West Seventh Street. It's about two or three blocks west of the downtown square. Right. So if you got right to the middle of Columbia, if you could see the courthouse, then go go west about two or three blocks. You'll see the Memorial Building. Easy parking,
0: north. easy in it. Access. Yeah. It's yeah. not
1: uh, crowded there. It's and, an excellent and, place. And we'll meet at seven. Well, we've asked David to bring us a a 45- or 50-minute lesson each night, and then we also take written questions. At the end of his presentation, we'll uh, accept written questions from the audience, and we'll give him a chance to just sort of on the fly answer those written questions. And I think it will be really interesting. And and, uh, so if you can come, plan to come. Yeah. Now, not to discourage anybody from coming, but we're also going to try our best. Uh, Sometimes the – uh, internet connection there at the memorial building might be a little bit uh, suspect but we're going to try to stream this on our youtube channel so we'll if we're able to do that we'll we'll put it up on, on our website uh and we we're going to be recording these uh lessons we'll have them in our archives and all that sort of thing but none of that will be the same as being here in person if you can come we would encourage you and appreciate it if you would come
0: check out our website for more information on how to get there uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com dot com, and in preparation for that, you posed some questions for
1: our consideration tonight, along with the idea of creation. Yeah, but to our update list earlier today, I always remind you to, that you can get on our update list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview dot com. Just say add me to the list. We'll be glad to do that. To our update list earlier today, we send out these questions. Number one: Why would unbelieving scientists want to establish that the Earth is billions of years old? Oh wow, it's a lot. Why do some Christians feel a need to fit billions of years into the Bible chronology? Good question. Number two, what is the day-age theory? Okay. Number three, can it be proved that the days of Genesis 1 were literal and consecutive 24-hour days? If so, what arguments would you make to defend this view? Okay. Number four, what Bible verses demonstrate that the earth was created in six literal 24-hour days in in the recent past? Uh yeah. And what are some scientific arguments that prove that the Earth is relatively young, not billions of years old?
0: All right. Uh, we've got a lot of questions there, a lot of ground to cover, and not much time to do it. So let's go. All right. Well,
1: obviously, the the, the reason why unbelieving scientists want to establish a a long, long period of time for planet Earth, for the universe and planet Earth, is because... If the general theory of evolution is true, that is, and that's what David Aiken was just referring to as the amoeba to man idea, uh, the, 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 that life spontaneously generated from a chemical soup of some sort or another, and then from those very simple single-cell beginnings, all, all that we see on planet Earth, every living thing, plant and animal, came about by a process of evolution uh, so it wasn't uh, just that maybe dogs got longer ears and shorter tails mm. which would be sort of what we refer to as specific evolution Th- that's not what we're talking about and David's going to clarify that in his lessons next week we're talking about the idea that from, from non-living matter sprang forth a living cell and from that living cell evolved all the life forms that we see on planet Earth today we call that the general theory of evolution we don't believe it but if it happened, it would have required a long, long time to to take yeah. place. Yeah. And so scientists have got to get time into the equation. They got to have a lot of time. Typically, the evolutionist uh, argues that the Big Bang, which supposedly was the beginnings of our universe, that whole we won't even go into that. But the Big Bang is a crazy notion it in my is, mind. It is, yeah, it is. Outrageous. But that supposedly happened about twenty billion years ago. Now, a billion is a thousand million. Yeah. So this is 20,000 million years ago. Wow. The Big Bang happened. Uh, usually, was, so everything is speeding away from the uh, initial Big Bang, but man, it's hot and it's moving fast. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time to slow down and cool off and mm-hmm. solidify. Mm-hmm. And so... The the argument is typically that our Earth and solar system came into existence about five billion years ago. Okay. So the Earth, the the, the universe is something on the order of 20 billion years old. Our Earth is about five billion years ago. Then somehow or another, about two billion years ago, there was this spontaneous generation of life from non-living matter. And then... It's, uh, it's all happened since then. All this evolving has taken place since then. Every living thing has come to be in those last two billion years. Two
0: billion years, okay.
1: Uh, George Simpson, a Harvard professor, said man is something of a newcomer, a Johnny-come-lately in comparison to other life forms and especially compared to the age of the earth. Mm-hmm. So he says uh, you know, it's all been happening, but man came along here relatively recently, but it, man, it goes back way before man. George Wald, a Harvard professor and a Nobel Prize winner, said, "Time is the hero of the plot. Given so much time, the impossible becomes possible, the possible becomes probable, and the probable becomes virtually certain. One has only to wait; time itself performs the miracles." Right. Now, that's what they that's what they claim uh, in regards to time, they need lots of time. If evolution happened, they need lots of time. But when we read our Bibles, our bibles don 't suggest that amount of time yeah in fact if you if you try to take literally all the information given uh from Genesis and onward, especially the the uh, uh genealogies and so forth it 's pretty hard to squeeze much more than six thousand years into earth history, maybe. Maybe you could, at an extreme, you might be able to squeeze 10,000 years in there, but you can't get any more than that. It's just not possible. Uh, uh, Noah's flood happened about 4,000 years ago. Uh, Moses, about 1500 B.C., King David, about 1,000 B.C. Of course, Jesus lived uh, at the zero point between B.C. and A.D., and we're about 2,000 years after. So uh, we, we've got, did I say Noah's Flood 4,000? I meant uh, creation maybe about 4,000 B.C. Right. And Noah's Flood maybe about 2,000 right. B.C. Uh, but but all, the, all what we're saying is the Bible timeline and the evolutionary timeline, just even, they, don't, they yeah, just don't mesh. Them,
0: we're close. So you asked the question, why do unbelieving scientists want to establish that the Earth is billions of years old? Well, they have to. They have to, but both Kent and Chris uh, from Georgia, both from Georgia tonight, our only correspondents are from Georgia. The great state of Georgia is uh, pulling the, all the weight here tonight. He, Kent says unbelievers desire to hang their reputation upon the speculation that the earth is billions of years old because they, with intense hatred, reject belief in God and the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. They do such without evidence, and they grasp at straws to attempt to prove their unprovable speculations. The reason some desire to fit billions of years into biblical chronology... Now, that's the next question. Let me stop there. Chris backs up again. He says the same thing, that many want to, uh, of them want to justify their non-belief in a creator, so they need billions of years for all the random processes to form this complex universe. It is really absurd to think that random processes can form such a complex universe, which contradicts a known law in physics. Other scientists, quite frankly, teach the billions of years, so they will not be shunned from the scientific community and oh, risk losing their jobs. I think their Chris jobs. is
1: really right. I think there's an intense prejudice in the scientific community, uh, and and pretty much, and it's been proven, uh, it's comply or be expelled from the yeah. scientific community. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there was even a movie several years ago It yeah. may have been called Expelled, or yeah, I believe that's right, but uh, it described how much prejudice there is against anything other than what the, the, the atheistic scientists want to suggest about the age of the earth yeah. and about evolution. Yep. Now, that's what unbelieving atheists do, but our follow-up question is, why would some Christians feel a need to sort of compromise on that and, and, and to get to agree that maybe the Earth and the universe is that old? Kent in Georgia said the reason some desire to fit billions of years
0: into biblical chronology is because of a desire to compromise the truth of atheism. Those who are known as neo-atheist or the new atheist are particularly militant in pushing their views of atheism. So Kent says a spirit of compromise, and Chris in Georgia says Christians do this because, A, they have not made an honest effort to study what God's Word has to say. B, they might want to go along and not take a stand, or C, they do not have enough faith to believe God can create all this in six days. So Chris mentions a lot. Yeah. And some are uh, in a, seeking to compromise, um, perhaps because maybe they think that the
1: age of the earth is an established scientific fact. Yeah, that, which is not. I, if we couldn't get any other takeaway from our discussion tonight... I hope that that we can at least make the point that scientists have not been able to establish they They speculate i mean and and the very idea that they try to guess at ages uh, for the big bang or for the formation of our solar system. They're just guessing. They're just wildly speculating. But that, and the, the, the important thing here is they're guessing, but
0: they're presenting their postulations as established fact. They yeah. they they don't express any doubt or any. You know, it's established fact. Their 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 assumptions, their theories. They're not presenting those uh, yeah. honestly.
1: Yeah, uh, John Clayton. Some of our listeners will know the name John Clayton. John Clayton is associated with Churches of Christ, but he is a theistic evolutionist. And uh, so he's he's a classic example of a Christian who's tried to compromise with scientists. John Clayton says, quote, man is a very recent newcomer to this planet. Man's history is but a tiny fraction of Earth's history. So here's an example of a Christian who is trying to trying to make that compromise to get get these long ages for the universe and for planet Earth. Because and and obviously you got to, bottom line is you've got to have that time. If if evolution, if the general theory of evolution is true at all, you have got to have that time to make it happen. So uh, we want to talk about how some of those Christians are getting there. And they do it by means of what we refer to as the day age theory. They go back to Genesis 1. And, of course, Genesis 1 talks about God created everything in six days and resting on the seventh day. The day-age theory argues that each of those days was actually a long period of time, eons, millions, maybe billions of years long. Each of those days of Genesis 1 was a long age, and therefore it is the day-age theory. And we want to talk about that. We want to we want to show why that that is uh, a, an erroneous attempt to interpret Genesis chapter 1. And it is an unnecessary compromise w- with the general theory of evolution. We'll get to that discussion after we take a break and
0: get this week's bullet point. We would love to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't
1: go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Let me state some realities for you. I believe these things could be said about any local congregation anywhere in the world. First, the church is not as evangelistic as it ought to be. Second, we don't do enough to support the weak and to encourage those who are struggling with hardships in their lives. Third, the church isn't as friendly as it could be. There isn't as much close association among the members as there ought to be. Fourth, the Bible classes could be improved. The subject matter is sometimes lacking and the teachers are sometimes unprepared. Fifth, we aren't doing enough benevolence. We're too slow to step forward when legitimate needs are put before us. Now, this is just a sampling. You can no doubt think of other things to expand this list. Our point, however, is this. What are you doing about these deficiencies? There are two types of members in the church, and they have opposite reactions to the kind of problems we have just listed. There are some that are dedicated to serving in the kingdom. When they see areas that need attention, they jump to the work. When there are lost people that need to be taught, weak brethren to encourage, sick people to visit, these folks don't wait to be told they are busy working to address such needs. For example, instead of complaining that the church is unfriendly, they're doing their best to change that reputation by inviting people into their homes and by actively showing their love and concern for others. They get involved in bringing about needed changes. In short, these are the ones that love the church and want to see it grow. Sadly, there are others who only intend to complain. They're never happy and are constantly finding fault. Such members see none of the good in the congregation. They gripe and grouse and do nothing positive. Their contribution to the church is to tear it down, not build it up. Now, which of these descriptions fits you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
3: My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it.
1: Now that
0: you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, if you've never been there, is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You ought to check it out, and you ought to check us out if you're anywhere near Columbia. Find out more about our meeting times and location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and especially this week, find out about our community Bible study, where it is and when it is, Monday and Tuesday this coming week. Uh, you'll want to be there the 23rd and 24th. Yeah,
1: we'll all right. make plans. By all means, make plans to join us for our community Bible study. All
0: right. We're talking about creation on the program tonight and the desire by many to compromise with uh, this prevailing scientific theory of the age of the Kent, earth.
1: Kent and Chris have given uh, some, uh, some of their understanding of what the day-age position is. Kent says the day-age position grants that God is the creator of the universe, but instead of accepting the biblical account of creation, they seek to compromise with pseudoscience and state that such was stretched out over millions of years. The reason for doing so is to accommodate those who desire a second-guess divine revelation. The gap theory assumes without proof that the earth was created as a solid entity and became void. They assume because the term earth is used that such implies a solid entity. The scriptures do not state nor imply such. Genesis 1-2 states that the earth had no form. The earth was not covered with waters. It was waters. On the first day, it was formless and composed of waters. Only on the third day did dry land appear. The argument used by those who support the gap theory is taken from the Hebrew word hayetha, which sometimes is translated became. However, this is not the only proper translation of the term. Uh, uh, it was tran- see, translation term is also translated as was. In the view of contextual setting, Genesis one, two, and three, the term hayetha should be translated as was. Well. That, that's a little different than what we were getting at. There's actually a different theory. Uh, Kent is addressing a different theory. Then the day-age theory, the gap, there's another theory, and we're not really even dealing with that tonight. The gap theory is that there was a long gap of time between the formation of the universe and uh, the beginning of the specific creative work that God did here on planet Earth, and that's sometimes referred to as the gap theory, that there was a big gap between Genesis 1, 2, and then the rest of the chapter. We're not really dealing with that. I, I, I got an email from Keith, we'll address that just briefly, but... We're more talking about the idea that of the day-age theory, that each of the days was a long geological period of time. That's what Chris in,
0: uh, Kyle, in Atlanta says. He says a day referred to in the, in the creation account refers to a large span of time, millions of years, and probably with the current uh, time scale that the evolutionists are putting on the earth, maybe even billions of years for yeah. each day. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Chris, for and for Kent, for your comments tonight.
1: So... so Our question is, can it be proved that the days of Genesis 1 were literal, consecutive 24-hour days? And I think the answer is yes, we can prove that. First of all, when we're studying the Scriptures, Mm -hmm. words should be understood in their literal sense unless there's some compelling reason to give them a figurative meaning. Now, the Bible does have figurative language in it. it. We're not denying that. But we only we only conclude that a, a passage or an expression is figurative if there's some reason that would argue for that. Uh, for instance, in the book of Revelation, the very first chapter, John tells us that these things are going to be spoken in sign. So we look for figurative, symbolic language in the book of Revelation. We were, we're tipped off about that in the very first verse of the book. Mm-hmm. But unless there's some compelling reason to use figurative understanding, then typically a literal meaning should be assigned to a text. Now, uh, the word for day in Genesis chapter 1 is the Hebrew word yom. Now, uh, there's nothing in the way that the grammar of Genesis 1 is constructed to suggest that the word yom should mean long ages. The word means day. In fact, if Moses wanted to describe long ages, there are a couple of words in Hebrew that could have been used to describe long ages. The word olam or door, those words are Hebrew words that can refer to indefinite periods of time. Or if Moses wanted to suggest that the, the word day should be stretched to include long eons of geological time, he could have used the adjective rob, yom, rob, would be a Hebrew expression that means a long day. Mm-hmm. He didn't do any of that. He just used the word day. Uh, and and so unless there's some reason to think otherwise, then we would interpret that to mean exactly what what a day means, a, a literal day. There's nothing in the context that suggests that Moses was speaking figuratively when he described the days of Genesis 1. In fact, the meaning of the day is actually given. The definition is given in verse 5, Genesis 1, verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay. So uh, a a period of light followed by a period of darkness constituted a day. That's what it says. That's exactly what it says. He define the text defines the term. Okay. So, uh Now either if if you want these to be long ages, then you're gonna have to have really long, 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 long periods of light followed by really long, 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 long periods of darkness, because in the text a day is defined as a period of light followed by a period of darkness. Okay. All right? Now the specific Construction of words, first day, second day. Verse 5 talks about the first day, verse 8 talks about the second day, verse 13 talks about the third day. Whenever that construction is found, and it's found more than a hundred times in the Old Testament, it always refers to a literal day. When he talks about the first day, the second day, the third day, that kind of grammatical construction in Hebrew. It's common. It's found more than 100 times in the Old Testament. Every time that it's used, it's always used to denote a literal 24-hour day. It's never figurative. There's not a single exception anywhere in the Old Testament where that Hebrew construction means anything other than a literal 24-hour day. Okay? So if we want, we're trying to make arguments to demonstrate that as we read Genesis 1, we're not reading the day-age theory there. We're reading literal... 24-hour days. Uh, There'd have to be some reason for us to go to a figurative understanding. There's nothing in the text that would argue that. The meaning of a day is defined within the text itself. The grammatical construction in Genesis chapter 1 indicates that they were literal 24-hour days. Now, going just a little bit further. In verses 11 and 12... God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day. Okay. Got it. Third day. Okay. So plant life was created on the third day. Right. All right. Now, if those days are actually long, long periods of time, first of all. They'd have to be long periods of light followed by long periods of darkness. If here on planet Earth we had days that were longer than our typical days, we'd burn up. Maybe just twice as long, maybe a 48-hour day? We'd burn up. And plus, on the dark side of the Earth, we'd freeze up. Life as we know it couldn't be sustained on planet Earth, even if you tried to make the days twice as long as they are now. We, we, We just couldn't handle it. But what's really interesting is we've got plant life there, seeds and, and fruit-bearing trees. But insects weren't created until day five or six. I mean, you, could, you, you can quibble about whether the insects were included in the creation of day five or day six. It doesn't really matter. If those days are long eons of time, it, then, then you'd have to argue that it was eons of time before insects came along, after the plants had already been created. There's a big problem there. Because so many plants depend on insects for pollination. You're hearing about that a lot with
0: the honeybee that's uh, uh, having trouble, that it's going to c- cause a lot of plants to struggle.
1: Yeah. So the the, the j- just the logistics of, of the chronology f- fall apart if those days are long eons of time. If they're not... Consecutive twenty four hour days, then we got a big problem. Yeah. All right. What do you think?
0: Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says the days of Genesis one are indeed twenty four hour literal and consecutive days. The very basic a very basic argument is developed from the measurement of time as recorded in chapter one. The text states the evening and the morning as being the exact measurement of time such necessitates twenty four hour literal consecutive days. The initial point of consideration is the nature of creation. Plants and vegetation could not have survived without the natural scientific cycle of normal amounts of sunshine and other natural sources of energy, which could not have been the case as per the, per, uh, per the day-age theory. All the vegetation would have died out, he says. And so he says that it couldn't have occurred, as you pointed out. And Chris uh, from Atlanta says, for one, plants and vegetation were created on day three and the sun on day or the fourth day. If it were millions of years, the plants would have died. Secondly, the Old Testament, when the word for day, yam, appears with evening or morning and is modified with a number, it always First means day, a 24-hour day, day. day.
1: Exactly right, Chris. Exactly right. Okay. Um, now, Kent... Suggested something about this gap theory. And we got an email from Keith. and He said, I feel compelled to ask that you consider one other point often overlooked. We have no idea nor any way of actually knowing the time element between verse 2 and verse 5 which describes the first day. God created the heaven and the earth. Does this describe something that happened on the first day or at some point of time in the past, so I think Keith is sort of suggesting that gap theory that Kent was addressing. That's that's really a, a different study than what we planned for tonight. But I would just argue that if the first day was different than the other days, then you've got a a change in definition within the text without any indication or reason why the word would be used differently. In other words, the first day. In verse 5, the evening and the morning were the first day. But then when you get to verse 8, the evening and the morning were the second day. Basically, that position is arguing that the meaning of the words changes from verse 5 to verse 8. Between the first day and the second day, there's a change in meaning of the exact same expression. If we're going to accept that the days 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 were literal 24-hour days then we, we also have to say that in the same context and without any reason to believe otherwise, the, 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 the expression first day would have to mean the same thing. And if
0: we're to chart this out on a timeline, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's an event. And then billions of years, as the scientist wants us to believe, 20 billion years of time occurred before God said, let there be light and there was light and so forth. So you have the beginning, and then you have 20 billion years before you get to the other days of the week that God created. That doesn't jive with other passages that talk about God making man and female at the beginning. In Matthew 19, verse 4, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Wait a minute. The beginning was 20 billion years before God made male and female.
1: Jesus didn't get it exactly right there, did he? Exactly right. Uh, Those are some of the verses that I wanted us to look at. Uh, the sort of Bible verses that claim a, a a relatively young earth we'll look at that in a minute but uh you know even if that even if that gaps theory was true, it doesn't help the theory of evolution because i mean i don't care how much time you got before living things began to be created yeah you you in other words actually that theory would would hurt. The general theory of evolution because it was because you had non living, a non living universe. I don't care how long you got the non living universe, they need time from whence life began until now in order for the theory of evolution to happen. So they really need the long period of time not before life forms began, but they need long periods of time since life forms began, too, if the general theory of evolution is true. All right. And we need uh, lots more time to cover this, but we're going to take
0: a break, and when we get back, we'll take your thoughts as we go to the top of the hour, concluding our discussion on the creation. How long ago did it occur? We'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back
1: after this. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified, If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Approximately 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. More specifically, 41% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, and 73% of third marriages end in divorce. If your parents are happily married, your risk of divorce decreases by 14%. People who wait to marry until they are over age 25 are 24% less likely to get divorced. Living together prior to getting married increases the chance of getting divorced by 40%. All that information is via McKinley-Irwin family law. The Word of God says in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it.
0: God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. All right, as we go to the top of the hour we're talking about creation, how long ago did it occur? We're comparing what the modern scientific theories are with what the
1: Scriptures teach, and we're finding there's little room for harmony here. Yeah, uh, there's just a, I ask what Bible verses demonstrate that the Earth was created in six literal twenty-four hour days. Oh, oh, let's just do that first. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Notice, in six days. But the first one was real long, and the others were maybe not as long. But no, it just says six days. The, the the that's that word days there is the plural of that Hebrew word we were talking about earlier, yom. Yeah. It's the, the plural of that is the Hebrew word yamin. Yeah. It's used over 700 times. The, the plural of the word day, days, yamin. It's used over 700 times in the Old Testament. It's always literal, always. Uh, so, again, the Bible is claiming literal days of creation.
0: You know, I was just thinking about it. You talk about six days. 6 That's a unit of measurement. Imagine if you were... Laying out, so you're going to build a project. You're building a house, and you say, "I want that wall to be six feet long." And you measure off six feet. No, no, no. Wait a minute. That first foot, that's not twelve inches. That first foot, I wanted that to be twenty-three thousand inches, and then the last five feet, they're going to be twelve inches. You wouldn't do that. You yeah. you laid out a unit of measurement there. It's the same for all of the units
3: Hey,
1: get this in genesis 1 verse 14 god said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for season for days and for years and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven give light upon the earth it was so god made two great lights the greater light to rule the day the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also oh wait a minute the so they basically sun moon and stars is what he's creating there on day four and they're going to be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. If the days are eons of time, what are the seasons? And what could possibly be years if the days are millions or billions of years? What what would the years be then? I mean, again, the context of Genesis one is suggesting you got to you got to interpret that liter- literally, right. not figuratively. Right. Okay. Uh, I asked for some Bible verses that show literal 24-hour days of creation. Uh, Jacob, I think you've got that list that we put together there. Uh, Sure. You've got Isaiah 40, verse 21 uh, at the uh, start of
0: that. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? And so mankind. Man's been here to
1: to understand from from the beginning of creation.
0: Okay. All right. Mark 6, Mark 10, verse 6, uh, Jesus saying from the from the beginning the creation of creation, God made them male and female from the beginning.
1: So now creation. if we believe that he created man and woman on day six, well, that's that 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 fits. That's in other words. They were right there from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, they were just five days after God created the universe. He created man and woman. But if that's billions of years later, then that that statement can't be taken as true. If the, if the creation began and billions of years later man and woman showed up, then that then he didn't make them from the beginning. Romans chapter one verses twenty and twenty
0: one, maybe even a little bit more explicit. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Man has been around since the creation of the world to understand
1: God. The power of God. And the power of God. Yeah. From the beginning of creation. Exactly right. All right. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, Genesis chapter 1 and how it uses the word day is enough proof for me. He also references Exodus 20, verse 11, which we looked at. Uh, another passage that talked about six days of creation. Okay.
0: All right. And uh, Kent references Exodus 20, verse 11. Uh, that it demonstrates the biblical account regarding the time of creation it also needs to be stressed that the day-age position leaves no revelation from God as to what took place on the earth during those supposed millions or even billions perhaps of years why would god lead us to accept that genesis 1 is factual and then leave, leave us in the dark regarding what happened
1: all those millions of years in between what would be the purpose if 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 god why wouldn't god tell us That he created things over billions of years. I mean, what would be the, what would, what would it hurt for our faith in God if, I mean, would your faith in God be, be different if he said he created plants and millions of years later he created insects and man? I I mean, if that's what he did, then that's what he did, but why would, why would he want to suggest why would he speak in code to us? If that's what he did, why would it hurt for him to tell us plainly that that's what he did? I don't get it. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, go ahead. Um, we ask, and we're just about out of time, but we ask, what are some of the scientific proofs? You know, we, we've been, all of this discussion has been about what the Bible says. And I think that's kind of interesting that on our community Bible study on Monday night, David Akin is going to spend a lot of time proving that we can have great confidence in the Bible as the inspired word of God. And and really everything we've been talking about so far has been based on what the Bible says. The Bible says that God created everything in six literal 24-hour days and not that long ago, maybe 6,000 years ago. But you know, science itself, true science, when scientists want to be honest, science doesn't know the age of the earth. An honest scientist will admit that proving that the earth is old is not possible. They can speculate, but they can't prove that the earth is old. Uh, True science doesn't demand that the earth be ancient. Nothing about true science requires an ancient earth. And there are lots of evidences of a relatively young earth. For instance, uh, the shrinkage of the sun. I, this is one I really like. Uh, There's several that we could mention. But uh, within the last 20 or 30 years, scientists have actually been able to quantify how fast the sun is shrinking. And, and we, we, we shouldn't be surprised to know that the sun is getting smaller. The sun is a burning mass out there in space. When things burn, they burn up. We know that the that the sun is e- ejecting uh, uh, cosmic particles constantly, and so the the sun is burning up. The sun is getting smaller as it burns up. Uh, that's, that's not a surprising revelation, but right, uh, right. but but it's only been recently that they've been able to quantify that or actually get a get a handle on the the rate at which the sun is shrinking. But now that they know the rate at which the sun is shrinking, you could calculate backwards to find out how big it would have been at some point in the past. Uh, 1979, uh, the physics today reported that the sun is shrinking at a rate of one-tenth of one percent per century, but that's five feet every hour. The diameter of the sun is shrinking five feet every hour. Now, knowing that rate, you could calculate backwards. And just 100,000 years ago, the sun would have been twice as big as it is today. Yikes. You want to talk about hot summer Boy, in howdy. Georgia. Yeah. Uh, Chris would be burning up in Georgia yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if the sun was twice as big. In fact, obviously, life on planet Earth would be impossible. And that's just 100,000 years ago. That's like current events to an evolutionist. Yeah. Uh, but just 100,000 years ago, the sun would have been so big uh, that life on earth would have been impossible. 20 million years ago, again, fairly recent uh, by evolutionary timetables, 20 million years ago, the the circumference of the sun would have been so large that it would have included... The orbit of planet Earth 20 million years ago. Supposedly, according to the general theory of evolution, 20 million years ago, everything had basically happened except the final evolution of man from the primates. And so the shrinkage of the sun is just one of those kinds of, you know, the very idea that we're supposed to believe that this critical distance of Earth and sun, Earth and sun, 93, we are 93 million miles from the sun. Yes. And that is so critical. If we were 10% closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were 10% farther away from the sun, we'd freeze. Life is only possible. Life as we know it is only possible because we are in the... And they actually call it kind of interesting. They call this the Goldilocks zone. Yeah, It's the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. We're in just the right place but the very idea that that critical distance from the sun could have been maintained for millions billion remember the general theory of evolution says that li- spontaneous generation of life on planet earth happened 2 billion years ago now that uh, remember a billion is a thousand million so 2000 million years ago life began on planet earth but we're supposed to believe that this critical distance between the sun and the earth has been maintained through all that time. As the sun has been burning up all that time, we're supposed to believe that that critical distance has been maintained. It's just impossible. It couldn't be so. Well, somebody – someone once – when I was making that point, someone once said, well, maybe when the sun was bigger, the earth was farther away. Well, that wouldn't be true, would it? No. If the sun was bigger, the gravitational pull of the sun would be even stronger. We'd be even closer, right? Right. It, it, just there's just one example, and there's tons of other examples that s- give scientific evidence that the Earth and the universe could not be as old as the general theory of evolution requires. How about a few from Kent and Chris? Kent says, true
0: science is legi- a legitimate method of analysis regarding this question. However, due to the nature of science, observable knowledge, the case being that the creation took place without human observation, such does not provide all the answers. There are various methods such as research regarding meteorites, salt, nitrate, fluorine, uh, uranium, lead, the rate of decay, potassium argon, and the geological timetable that all suggest the Earth is between six to 10,000 years of age. However, the aspect of legitimate knowledge is not limited to empirical data. Contemplative knowledge is also a legitimate means that can be used when one provi- proves that with logical precision that the Bible is the plenary, verbally inspired Word of God. One by implication can prove that the Earth is relatively young, having been created between six and ten thousand years ago, based upon the veracity and truthfulness of the message of the Bible. And I think that's the angle uh, that Mr. Aiken's going to take in his presentation yeah, on so, right? Monday and Tuesday. Chris from Georgia says uh, there are relative. There are several, so I'll only hit a few. The most interesting one I found was this, and I hadn't heard of this one I before. I don't think so either. Oil pressure. Uh, he says when drilling for oil, there is an immense amount of pressure released when you hit oil. Think of the gushing of oil in the air. Scientists say the rocks holding this pressure cannot withstand that pressure more than about 10,000 years. That pressure wouldn't be there if it was millions of years old. it would find a way out? Yeah. N- interesting. Magnetic field. He said the Earth has a magnetic field that protects us from radiation and is getting weaker. If we go back 25,000 years this field would have been so great that life could
1: not have existed because of the heat generated. The Earth would have disintegrated from its own internal forces just 25, actually more like maybe just 10,000 years ago. The magnetic field force would have been so strong on planet Earth that the Earth would have disintegrated from its own internal forces.
0: The moon drifting away. The moon is slowly moving away from the Earth. A couple of billion years ago, the moon would have been too close to the Earth, causing tides to be so high.
1: That it would have drowned everything on Earth twice a day. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then he mentions the small amount of sediment on the seafloor. If 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 the Earth is old and sediment has been accumulating for millions of years, then well, we'd have vast layers of sediment on the on the seafloor, and we don't. Okay. There's a, there's a ton of other arguments like that. Just uh, just amazing that true science confirms what the Bible says. Uh, that the Earth is relatively young, created in six literal 24-hour days. We have no contradiction. Not that long ago, uh, relatively speaking. All right. Well,
0: a good discussion. A discussion that went long. Kyle, haven't heard from you tonight. Uh, looking forward to Monday and Tuesday night.
2: Absolutely. I think it's just going to help us build our confidence and uh, to have against people who are talking about evolution, or we just have this. Weapon in our arsenal, so we can just have a discussion with
0: them. Absolutely. So. You'll, we'll want to be there for that Monday and Tuesday, July 23rd and 24th. At the, co- at the Memorial 24th. Building in Columbia. Be there. Find out more at our website, TheVirtualBibleStudy.com. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for being here. Hope you make, uh, enjoyed and benefited from our discussion of God's Word tonight. Hope you'll make plans to be at the Memorial Building t- July 23rd and 24th, and then back here next Thursday night for another edition of The Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study his inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.